This week we're going to be looking at our final parable uh, in our series, Parables of Jesus. Over the last eight weeks, myself and uh, Pastor Thad have been looking at different parables of Jesus, which teach us about God and his kingdom. And uh, one of the common themes that run through all the, the parables is just how, how good God is. I love that song that we just sang. And as we um, have looked into the scriptures and looked at how God transforms our lives as we trust in him, um, we see just how good and loving God is and how worthy he is uh, of our love in response. And so today, our final parable uh, of Jesus is about three servants who were given from their master different amounts of money and how they spent it. And when they gave an account to their master of where the money went and what they did, two of them were told, great job. But the third, uh, his master told him something that none of us ever want to hear. And we're, we're all under um, accountability. We all have authorities that we answer to. And sometimes they tell us good job and sometimes they tell us uh, bad job. I remember when I uh, graduated from college, I was a uh, water polo coach and a substitute teacher at a high school in Riverside. And uh, from time to time, I would meet with the principal and I would say, hey, is there you know, like a full-time history position opening up in the, the next school year? And one time he said to me, um, there's no positions opening up, but even if there were, I wouldn't give you one. And uh, thanks a lot. You're laughing at me. It's funny. It's funny now. But at the time I was, you know, I was mortified. Why? Why? Why wouldn't you give me a teaching job? He said, well, I've been talking to my secretary, who's your boss. And she says that you're not doing a good job. And I was, I mean, I was just like, what? So I, I talked to her. I said, what? You know, what, what's going on? And she had a whole list of things that I, I wasn't doing. I wasn't doing a good job. At that same uh, high school, I coached the water polo team. And this is a water polo team that hadn't won a game in three years. And when I took over the team at the beginning of the season, myself and some other coaches, we were working really hard. And that year, we won our first game. And it was we had a record of 1 in 10. <laughs> um, we, we worked hard for that game. The, the, the coaches of the of the league that got together and they were deciding at the end of the season, like, you know, which athletes were going to get all league and who was going to get MVP and uh, who's going to get coach of the year. <laughs> and they gave me coach of the year <laughs> uh, for a one in 10 record, which, you know, what they said was I wasn't at the meeting, but my, uh, some of the assistant coaches went, they said that they hadn't seen the team play this well um, in years. And so in, in one area of my life, I was, I was doing a good job with my responsibilities and the other area I was not. And you could probably identify with that. There's probably, you know, times in your life where you didn't hear from your boss or your leader, you know, what you wanted to hear. And this is the focus of the parable. Um, the Lord Jesus is our master and he's entrusted to each of us, our life and a whole bunch of bags of gold that he wants us to invest well. And, uh, when we stand before him one day, whether he returns or our lives end here and we stand before him. We're all going to give an account as Christians. If you've decided to follow Christ and you're a Christian, then you'll stand before the Lord and give an account for what you did with what he entrusted to you. And so um, we're going to look at that today. And I hope it's helpful. Let's go ahead and read the parable together. It's Matthew 25. And it says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a trip. He called together his servants and gave uh, them money to invest for him while he was gone. At this time, when a person went away on a trip, it could have been like three years, five years. I mean, it was a long trip. 
He gave, the fi- uh, he gave five bags of gold to one, two bags of gold to another, and one bag of gold to the last, dividing it up in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. The servant who received five bags of gold began immediately to invest the money and soon doubled it. The servant with two bags of gold also went right to work and doubled the money. They were you know, faithful. They worked hard. They did a good job. But the servant who received one bag of gold dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money for safekeeping. He buried it. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account of how they had used the money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of gold said, Sir, you gave me five bags of gold to invest, and I have doubled the amount. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then next came the servant who had received two bags of gold with the report, Sir, you gave me two bags of gold to invest, and I have doubled the amount. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of gold came and said, Sir, I know you are a hard man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops that you didn't cultivate, and so I was afraid I would lose your money So I hid it in the earth, and here it is. Here's your bag of gold. I haven't lost any of it. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You weren't afraid. You were lazy. You were wicked. You think I'm a hard man, do you? Harvesting crops I didn't plant and gathering crops I didn't cultivate? Well, then you should have at least put my money into the bank so that I could have had some interest. Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of gold. And this is the principle. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is not what we want to hear when we stand before the Lord. We want to hear, well done, you were faithful with a little, here's more, come celebrate. This parable teaches us that the Lord Jesus is going to... Hold all of us accountable as Christians for the way we use the time, the talent, the treasure, the life that he's given us. And the Lord wants our lives to be productive and fruitful. He wants our lives to be productive and fruitful. And so if you're a disciple or a student or follower of Jesus, then a really good question would be, what does that mean? (laughs) What does that look like? Like when I stand before the Lord, what would he like to see? And he answers this question in Luke 10. Uh, a teacher of the law was asking Jesus, like, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? Like, what is it that God wants from our life? And the answer is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the picture of the fruitful, productive life that God wants. He wants us to love him with all that we have. That's what he wants. That's what he's looking for. So that's kind of general. I mean, it's a little bit more specific, but it's still kind of general. What do I do like with that? Like, what do I do today to be a faithful servant who's fruitful? Well, honestly, I don't know. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know the specifics of your life. It depends on the bags of gold that God has given you. It depends on the opportunities that you have. It depends on how much time you have left in your life and 
and really what, what it is that God has uniquely given you and gifted you. There's, there's lots of instruction in the Bible on how to live in a way that's productive for God. And we can't go through all of it today. But there is a key that runs through the whole Bible, a key to being fruitful and faithful with your life. And that key is the Bible. It's how you handle the word of God. If you are a Christian and you're faithful with God's word, then you will grow the fruit that God wants. If you're faithful with God's word, you'll grow the fruit that God wants. Because God's word will begin to transform you, every part of you. God will make your heart right so that you love what God loves. He'll make your mind right so that you see like God sees. And then that will enable you to invest your life well. If your heart's right and your mind's right, then when opportunities come, when God gives you a bag of gold, when you have some opportunity to invest your life in some way, you'll see it correctly and you'll want to invest it correctly. And then you will invest it correctly. And then if you do that over the course of your life and you stand before the Lord Jesus, Lord willing, he will say, well done. The word of God is key. It's absolutely vital. And so I'd like us to look at a couple verses from the word of God and see how if we put them into practice, they can write our hearts and write our minds so that we can invest our lives well. So the first the first verse I'd like us to look at comes from one of uh, Jesus's followers, Peter. And he says, but in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. What does that mean? Whenever you read the Bible, you got to ask the question, what does it mean? What is God saying? Well, I could be wrong, but as best as I can tell, what God is saying is he wants us to give him first and best. He wants us to love him most. He wants us to be most loyal to him, to the Lord Jesus. How do you do that? Well, as a Christian, you do that daily. You get up early enough to where you're not interrupted and you're not in a hurry. And you look at your whole day. You say, Lord, I want you to have first and best. So here's my calendar. Here's how I'm going to be spending my time. Here's what I'm going to be doing for work. Here's the people I'm going to be relating to. Here's the money that I have. My whole day is yours. And I would really like you to have first place. When I put my head in the pillow tonight and I look back over my day, I want to have invested my life in a way that pleases you. So the question is, as a Christian, are you doing that? If you're doing that, great. Keep doing it. If you're not, start doing that. If you take the time to make the Lord, uh, make Jesus your Lord every day, and really commit your day to pleasing him, then over time, what's going to happen is you're going to have opportunities in your day and you're going to see them for what they are and you're going to choose to make the right investment. You have to choose this decision to set Christ as Lord. You decide to do that every day. And it's an attitude that you have through your day. And it's a habit that you form each morning. It's very practical. It's not very fancy, but that's really what it takes. Something else God's word says is that we should... Guard our hearts against all rivals. So our heart is constantly being filled with alternative desires and loves. There's other things we love more than God. There are things that compete in our heart for our affection to God. They're called idols. Have you ever heard the word idol? An idol is something that we love more than God. Something that we've kind of turned into God to give us our sense of okayness, safety, security, happiness. And so what... The scripture says in Proverbs 4.23 is, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So again, let's back up. The context is, how can I be fruitful and faithful with my life? How can I stand before the Lord and him say, well done? Well, I need to invest my life well. Okay, how do I do that? Your heart has to be right, which means you have to set apart your your heart, 
uh, set apart Christ as Lord in your heart, and then you have to guard your heart against these other rivals because all the investments that you make are going to flow out of your heart. And so ask yourself, if I look at the last month of my life and all the choices that I made, what does it say about what I love most? Who's most important? What's most important to me? There are a lot of things that can compete with God in our hearts. For example, pleasure, entertainment, rest. We can make our jobs the most important thing. Our sense of security, control. We can make other people the most important thing. And these things are competing in our hearts for first place. But if we're going to invest our lives well as Christians, then we have to guard our hearts against rivals so that things have their proper place in the economy of our heart. If you write your heart with the word of God, you begin to love what God loves. And then you can begin to write your mind with God's word. Your mind is for seeing things the way God sees them, for making good judgments. You need a good mind to make good judgment. So how do you do that? How do you use God's word to write your mind? As a Christian, with the power of the Holy Spirit in you, with the word of God in your hand, you begin to meditate on the words of God day and night. Meditation is the key to writing your mind. We don't use that word anymore, and I'll I'll define that in just a second. But I'd like us to look at a verse in, in the book of Psalms. And the psalmist paints a picture of a person whose life is fruitful and productive and prosperous, just like the two servants in the parable, just like we would like to be as Christians. How did they get productive, fruitful lives? How did they do it? Well, let's read it. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. What's that get him? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Its leaf doesn't wither, and all that he does, he prospers. That sounds a lot like the two servants in Jesus' parable. The fruitful, prosperous life that God wants comes through writing our minds by meditating on the scriptures day and night. So, so what does that mean? How do you meditate? Well, think of a shirt. You have like a work shirt that you have to wear, and it's stained. It's got food and dirt on it. You can't use it. And so you take the shirt, and you put it in your washing machine, and you fill it with water. You fill it with soap, and it tumbles around in that washing machine. And the water and the soap, they do their work. They loosen the fabric. Slowly, the dirt begins to fall out. And when you take it out of the washing machine, it's cleaner. It's not completely clean, so you put it back in the washing machine and you wash it again. And it tumbles around in the washing machine and the water and the soap, they do their work. Until finally the shirt is clean and you can use it. It's a little bit like meditating. You take the word of God, maybe one of these passages that we've looked at. um, Maybe something that you're reading in the morning. And you put it in your mind and you roll it around in your mind throughout the day. You ask questions, good questions, like what does this mean? What do I think? Right? What, how do I put this into practice? How would this change my thinking, my attitude, my desires, my priorities? You think about what God has said. And as you do that, it begins to write your mind. It begins to cleanse your mind so that you can see as God sees. So that you can judge the way God judges. So now if you put this together, if you use the word of God to make your heart right, so that you love what God loves, and you use the word of God to make your mind right, so that you see like God sees, then you will be able to invest the way God wants you to invest. It's an indirect route to the fruitful, faithful life. 
It's an indirect route. You have to work on this so that you're able to do that. That's the way it works. It would be nice if it was easier, more direct, but it's not. You write your mind and you write your heart with God's word and God's power. And then you begin to make better investments. So let's look at some of the things that we invest our lives into or, or some of the bigger investments in our lives. There, there are three big investments that we all make as Christians. The first is time. Second is money. And the third is our relationships. Now, there's other bags of gold that the Lord gives us. But these are three big bags of gold that he wants us to invest well. So how do we invest our time well or what does that mean? Well, all the time that we have, God gives us. We, we have been redeemed by Christ. He has bought us back from sin and death and hell. He gave up his life for us. He died for us so that we can live for him. And he wants us to use the time we have between now and the day we face him to be fruitful and productive for him. And so if you just think about your last week, you had 168, uh, 168 hours. Everybody has 168 hours a week. And all of us spent our 168 last week some way. How did you spend your 168 last week? Because we all got the same amount of time, 168 hours. But we spend that time differently. And the Lord is going to hold us accountable for how we spend our time. So how did you spend your time? What, how much time did you give to work? How much time did you give to sleep and eating and family and friends? How much time did you give to your relationship with the Lord, to building up his kingdom? God wants us to take account of how we're spending the bags of gold that he's giving us. And one of those bags of gold is our time. And you may have never thought about it that way. I remember when I first heard that, it kind of blew my mind. In fact, me and some of my friends, we... Um, we were tracking how much, or I'm sorry, we were tracking what we were spending our time on, and we were doing it in 15-minute increments. I can't remember if we, if we tracked a day or a week, but we, we actually wrote down on a piece of paper what we were spending our time on every 15 minutes. So at the end of the night, we would go through our day and mark it out. And this was very tedious, as it sounds, but it was really helpful because I wasted so much time on Netflix I wasted so much time in transitions. I realized that I would finish at work and then I would be intending to get in my car and go on to the next thing. And, you know, 30 seconds looking on something on the Internet turned into 30 minutes, you know, and I realized that I was I was wasting time. I could go to the store and take my kids. I could go over here and do it with somebody else. Just taking account of my time was a really good habit. God wants us to be really careful with the time that he gives us. And so this is really between you and the Lord. If you're, if you're a believer, God wants you to develop this habit of counting where you're spending your time. And so he says in Ephesians 5, be very careful. Don't be careless how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity. See the situation the way I see it. Love what I love so that you can make the most of the opportunities that I send you. Because the days are evil. There's all sorts of things that are going to distract you. There's all sorts of other rivals for your affections. There's all sorts of ways that you can get off track and invest your life poorly. The days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Our time is one of the big bags of gold that God gives us, and he wants us to invest it well. So ask yourself, is there anything in the way that you're spending the time that the Lord has given you that he would like you to change? How could you better prioritize your time? That's something you'll have to do on your own with the Lord. And if you do it honestly, sincerely with him, 
he will show you things that you can change so that you can invest your life better. And we want to do that because we're grateful. We're grateful to God for his love and mercy, for how he's rescued us, how he's given us a new heart. We, 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 we're grateful. And when you're grateful, you want to give back to God. But he's not hungry. He doesn't need your money. And, you know, he, he does, there's not a whole lot that I have personally that, I, you know, I can give him. But what I can give him is my love and my affection. I can devote my life to him. I can honor him and give him first place. And I can spend my time in a way that shows him that he gets my first and my best. That, that's a way that I can respond to God's love. And I'd, I'd like to do that, and I think you do too. The second area, um, the second big bag of gold that we have is our money. Money is a major part of our world, obviously. Uh, money's our power. It's our strength. When Jesus says he wants us to, to love him with all of our soul and strength, uh, practically, that, that's, your, that's your time and your, your money. You have other strengths. You have talents and abilities. But, but money's a part of your strength. That's why we want it. Because it manifests our will and it gives us more power. It allows us to do things we want to do. And so we can be very, very uh, tight-handed with our, with our money. And that's actually the problem. You see, if we're Christians, it's not our money. All that we have belongs to the Lord. This is the, the constant teaching through the Bible. God redeemed our life. We were enslaved to sin and death and destined for hell. And God bought our freedom at the price of his son. And so, as I said before, he died for us so that we will live for him. And so all that we have is his. Now, God has entrusted to us the paycheck, the equity in our home, the 401k, the credit cards are his, the steak in the fridge is his, the flat screen TV is his. It's all his. If you're a Christian, you have devoted your life to Christ. That's the agreement you made. That's what you said you wanted. I, I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I want him to take my sin and be my king. And that means that I have devoted all of my life to him. Now, he gives us these things so that we can provide for ourselves and our families. He gives us things for our pleasure and our enjoyment. But he also gives us the money that we have to build his kingdom, to expand his church, to invest in his interests and his mission. So the first thing we need to know as we look at handling our finances is that it all belongs to the Lord. And when we lose sight of that, we can begin to see the money that we have as a way of increasing our standard of living or building our own kingdom. And that's not a good idea. That's something that Israel did, uh, something the people of God did. And so he sent one of his prophets, Malachi, to correct them. And here's what he said in Malachi 3, 8 through, uh, 3, 8 through 11. I ask you, is it right for a person to cheat God? Well, of course not. Yet you are cheating me. How? How are we cheating you, God? In the matter of tithes and offerings. A curse is on you because the whole nation is cheating me. You're working hard. You're trying to save up money. You're trying to grow these crops, and it's all blowing away because it's cursed, because you're cheating me. Bring the full amount of your tithe into the temple so that there will be plenty of food there. Now, at the time, the temple was the center of God's work on the earth. This is where you learned God's word. It's where you worshiped him. It's where uh, if you wanted to, you know, begin a relationship with God, you would do it at the temple in Jerusalem. And the people of Israel were given the responsibility of building up, financing the temple. And at this time, they had given that up. The temple wasn't completed. It was half built. And they were building their homes and they were building their farms and they were building up their own lives. They were building their kingdoms at the expense of God's kingdom. 
And that's not a good idea. We don't want to do that. That's not faithful. If we spend our money to build our kingdoms at the expense of God's kingdom, when we stand before the Lord, he's not going to say to me, well done. That's not what he's going to say. And so the biblical perspective, particularly in the New Testament, is that God wants us to invest our resources in building up his kingdom. And we do that through the local church, whether it's this church, if you decide to be a member here at Church in the Valley, or if you're a Christian who's a member at another church, whatever church you plug into, God wants you to use your finances to build up his kingdom, to expand his his church. That's his project so that more people can come to know Jesus, put their faith in him and experience the life change that he can do. And only he can do that. That's what we're doing here in this church It's why we moved to Ontario Ranch so that we could reach out to this new community. And it's it's a great thing. And so uh, one of the things that uh, Paul writes to a church in Corinth on this subject of of uh, handling your money is he says, remember that a person who plants few seeds will have a small crop. The one who plants many seeds will have a large crop. You should give each give then as you have decided not with regret or out of a sense of duty, for God loves the one who gives gladly. And God is able to give you more than you need so that you will always have all you need for yourselves and more than enough for every good cause. So God gives you what you, you have financially to meet your needs, and he gives it to you so that you can invest in his kingdom. God wants us to give cheerfully, not out of duty. He wants us to give sacrificially so that we feel it. So that it, means, it oftentimes means a lifestyle change. And he wants us to give regularly as a part of our normal life. This is how we steward or manage the money that God gives us well. And this is really between you and the Lord. If you have never given, if you're a Christian, first of all, this, this is a command to Christians. So if you're not, if you're not a Christian yet, this is not a command to you. But if you are a believer, then you want to start where you are. If, if you don't give regularly, then begin to give regularly. If, uh, the tithe, traditionally, uh, the tithe is 10% of your income, gross income. Now, Americans give 2% to anything. And the average Christian gives about 3 or 4%. But at this time, if you added up the tithe and the offerings, it was like 27% of their income. That's a lot of money. Now, what God wants us to do is to decide how we can give to him gladly and do it regularly. And then slowly grow our giving over time. It's between us and the Lord, but that's what he wants. Because all that we have is his, and we want to honor him with our resources. And when he looks at the way we spent our money over our life, we want him to say, well done. You invested in the right things. Uh, the final bag of gold that we have is our relationships. God puts the people in our lives in our lives. He puts them in our lives for a purpose. And uh, what he wants us to do is to invest in people. It's very easy to, in a particularly American culture, to kind of isolate ourselves and not really invest in people, um, but to kind of be individualistic to the point where we never, we never get really close with people. But listen to how Paul describes his relationship with the Christians in Thessalonica. He says, Because of our love for you, we were ready to share with you not only the good news from God, but even our own lives. You were so dear to us. This is very affectionate and close language. Now, Paul's not a Thessalonian. He's a Jew from Tarsus. So why is he talking about these people that he just met this way? And the reason why is because Paul... He, he actually opened up his heart to these brothers and sisters in Christ. They became dear to him. He loved and served them, and they loved and served him. And as he reflected on that, there is a real intimacy. And this is why, uh, this is how God wants us to relate to one another. Uh, there are lots of people in your life that you love. 
Who's dear to you? Like Paul says, your family for sure. Maybe your friends that you grew up with or friends you went to school with. Maybe it's your neighbors or, you know, your coworkers. But if you're a Christian, you've been born again and now you're a child of God and you have brothers and sisters. And God wants you to be dear to them and to love them and to share your life with them as well. And we do that here in churches, whatever churches we choose to be a part of. And that's what I love about Church in the Valley is how how people love one another and how they share their lives with one another. And this really pleases God. And so we have to take stock of our relationships and say, who is dearest to me? Who am I really sharing my life with? And how can I how can I share more of myself and love and serve more the people that God has put around me? And there's also another kind of sharing, and that's sharing your faith. So Paul says that we didn't just share with you the good news from God, but they did share the good news. Paul was going around the world telling people about God's love and how he had sent his son to remove the barrier that our sin causes between us and God. Christ died for our sins so that those sins were taken care of and paid. And now we can approach God and have a relationship with him. Through Christ, we've been given a new spirit so that we can transform into the kinds of people that God always wanted us to be. God's given us a new family. And this good news is something that Paul told everybody. And it's something that God wants us to tell people. There are people in your life for whom you are the only Christian they know. You're the only person who can share with them. You don't need to be pushy. You just share gently and respectfully. Maybe you feel afraid to share your faith, like, I don't know how to do it. And if you don't know how to do it, you can let us know on the connection card, and we can help you. We can teach you how to share your faith. But really what it boils down to is testifying, telling people how good God is in your life, what God has done for you, how much God loves us. Just testify and share as the opportunities come. Again, there are some things you can, you can learn. You can learn how to share the gospel with people. But we just want to be a help to people the way people have been a help to us. And we want the people in our lives to come to know God the way we do. And so we, just, we tell people. We share because we love them. And when we stand before the Lord, he's going to look at our relationships and say, you know, I put you in a relationship with this person so you could love them and you could serve them and you could tell them about me. You did it. Well done. Great job. That's what we want to hear. And so we need to take stock of our relationships and make sure that we're investing right there. If we do, if we write our hearts with God's word and we love what God loves and we write our minds with God's word so we, we see as God sees, then we will invest our lives well, our time, our money, and our relationships. And then, Lord willing, we'll hear what we all want to hear, which is well done. And so in your uh, handout, I, I took an excerpt from the, or a portion of the passage from the parable that Jesus told, and I, I, I left some lines blank. And I, I want to encourage you to take some time today to write in your name and some specific responsibility or ability or bag of gold that God has entrusted to you. Because it's helpful to imagine yourself standing before the Lord and him actually saying to you, well done. And so if you look at it, it says, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. And then it says blank. So there you'd write your name, like Matt, to whom he entrusted, you know, 168 hours of vacation time. Because this next week, my family and I are going on vacation, right? 168 hours of vacation time. Said, sir, you gave me 168 hours to spend on vacation with my family. And I have, and there's, there should be a blank. As in, like, I have done this with the money. I've done this with the time. 
The master was full of praise. Well done, Matt, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. We want to imagine and think through what it looks like in our context to be responsible with the bags of gold that the Lord gives us. And so I'd like us to finish up by looking at some next steps that we can, we can take to actually be responsible with the bags of gold the Lord has given us. The first is, um, as Christians, um, one of our next steps we can take is to faithfully use God's word to write our hearts and minds. And that means that we, we actually start our day by devoting or setting apart the whole day to the Lord. We think through our calendar, our finances, our relationships, what, what work we're going to be doing. And we ask the question, Lord, is there any change you'd like me to make? Uh, we, we actually take the word of God and we think about it through the day. We roll it around in our minds. We try to apply it. We memorize it. We take the Bible very seriously and we use the Bible every day to write our hearts and our minds. And, and you may need to do that. Maybe you're not and you need to start. Maybe there's some way you can do more of that. Uh, but this is a key part of uh, being fruitful in our lives. The second thing you can do is, is examine your three biggest investments. Where, where are you spending your time, your money, and your relationships? You may want to just look at the last week. You don't have to go 15-minute increments, but maybe look at how you spent the last week. And what does the way you spent your time tell you you love most? Are your priorities, they, are they right? Would the Lord say, nice job. You're, you're, you're managing the time I've given you very well. What about your money? Look at where you spent your money last month. What does the, the way you spent your money tell you about what's most important to you? And is there any changes the Lord would have you make in the way that you're using the money that he's entrusted to you? Are you giving him first and best in your finances, or is he getting the leftovers? Or somewhere in between. This is really between you and God, but it's a very wise thing to take stock of these investments. And the third one is uh, relationships. Who is dearest to you? Who are you really tying your life to? Who are you investing in? And how can you invest more into the relationships that God has given you? Um, How can you share with the people around you? You just have to take some time to think this through. If you do that, there will be clear things that you can change. You can do better. And then you'll be more productive, which is, which is what we want to do. And if you decide to do this, then I would encourage you to commit to making one change in the next seven days and ask one person to check in with you. Ask somebody to hold you accountable because the Lord is going to hold us accountable as believers, as Christians. And so it's a, it's a good idea to ask somebody to hold you accountable for seven days because when we stand before the Lord, we're going to give an account for our whole life. Now, if we do these things over time with God's help, Lord willing, when we stand before the Lord Jesus, he will say to us, well done, good and faithful servants. So I hope this has been helpful, and I hope this series has been helpful. If you missed any of our weeks in the last eight weeks, I'd encourage you to go online, and you can listen to the messages. They're free. That's something great to listen to in your car. It helps to write your mind. And uh, <clears throat> let's go ahead and continue uh, the rest of our service in worship, just praising God for his goodness in our lives. And uh, I'll transition us through prayer. Let's go ahead and pray together. Father, I just pray for, uh, for all, of, all of the people here and myself, just uh, that you would help us to uh, take stock of where we're investing our time, money, relationships, and that you would uh, show us where we can be better and more faithful servants. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the life you've given us, and uh, we want to use it well. We want to be productive and fruitful. Please help us to get uh, a better grip on the Bible and to use it to write our minds and our hearts. And uh, we just ask that... Um, you would work in this church to uh, bring more people to come to know Jesus and uh, that you would uh, grow our community to make us closer as we love one another uh, because we really want to live a life that's pleasing to you.
And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.